0: As Reverend Josh said, my name is Reverend Vanita. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm one of the um, co-pastors of teaching and community. Um, and it's a very special day for me because today is my two-year anniversary here at Forefront Church. <laughs> I appreciate being a part of this ministry. This church is a gift to me. And honestly, the applause goes right back to you. Because you all participated in something very, very important in our all church survey. And we have probably maybe around 300 or so people who call this church home. And I want to shout out the 115 people who participated in that survey. That was huge. That was huge. So it's interesting, some of the things that came up. And we'll be talking about some of these things from now on to our um, church town hall, which will be in October. But one of the things stood out is that Y'all like the sermon, so praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) That was good to hear. (laughs) Of course, the feedback is great in terms of getting stronger and enhancing our efforts here um, as we share God's word, but that was a plus. Another plus is, y'all love the worship experience here, so that was really, really nice to see. And you all, many of you come here to have community to be connected with other people who are like-minded, people who are open to asking questions, people who are their full authentic selves in light of their relationship with God. And it is beautiful to see what we have here. And today we are continuing our parable series with the parable of the sower. Sometimes it's actually called the parable of the soils. And it may be familiar to some people, and who knows? It might be new to others. And it's a story found in the Synoptic Gospels. And the Synoptic Gospels are considered to be Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? And this is where these particular books have very similar stories. Sometimes they share the same sequence, sometimes the writing is exactly the same, and other times the full stories are and narratives are the same so these books actually contrast with john which somewhat stands alone because john's writings are largely distinct from the synoptic gospels so just as a point of reference our text today is going to be taken from luke chapter 8 verses 1 through 15. however the story can also be found in the book of matthew Chapter 13, verses 1 through 23, and then Mark 4, verses 1 through 20. Now, it's interesting where Jesus sets the stage for this parable. And Jesus sets the stage bringing visibility to a group that I love bringing visibility to, and that's women. So Jesus actually opens up this parable with the acknowledgement of women. Women who, as it relates to the parables that we are sharing, are underrepresented, right? They don't have as much visibility as men as it relates to these various parables. So let's pick up with Luke 8, and we'll read the first three verses. Soon after this incident, Jesus preached from city to city, village to village, carrying the good news of the kingdom of God. He was accompanied by a group called the Twelve and also by a larger group, including some women who had been rescued from evil spirits and healed of diseases. There was Mary, called Magdalene, who had been released from seven demons. There were others like Susanna and Joanna, who was married to Chusa, a steward of King Herod. And there were many others too. These women played an important role in Jesus' ministry, using their wealth to provide for him and his other companions. That is such a powerful place to start today's sermon, where we see Jesus seemingly valuing the contributions of women, women who had been through some very, it seems harsh experiences, but women nonetheless who were seen and acknowledged for their contributions. So we have this group of women, and then we also have a number of individuals who were following Jesus, who were excited and probably captivated by what he shared, because we are told that the crowd had, was from many towns, and they were open to hearing the words of life. So our story continues with verses 5 through 8. Once a farmer went out to scatter seed in his fields. Some seeds fell along a trail where they were crushed underfoot by people walking by. Birds flew in and ate those seeds. Other seeds fell on gravel. Those seeds sprouted but soon withered depleted of moisture under the scorching sun. Still other seeds landed among thorns where they grew for a while, but eventually the thorns stunted them so they couldn't thrive or bear fruit. But some seeds fell into good soil, soft, moist, free from thorns. These seeds not only grew, but they also produced more seeds, a hundred times what the farmer originally planted. If you have hears, hear my meaning. So Jesus' followers were confused about what this actually meant. And Jesus began to share with them about the kingdom of God and how they may or may not understand, but then proceeded to provide some interpretation of this story or allegory of sorts that Jesus shared. So verse 11 picks up with, here's the interpretation. The voice of God falls on human hearts like seeds scattered across a field. Some people hear that message, but the devil opposes the liberation that would come to them by believing. So he swoops in and steals the message from their hard hearts like birds stealing the seeds from the footpath. Others receive the message enthusiastically, but their vitality is short-lived because the message cannot be deeply rooted in their shallow hearts. In the heat of temptation, their faith withers like the seeds that sprouted in gravelly soil. A third group hears the message, but as time passes, the daily anxieties, the pursuit of wealth, and life's addicting delights outpace the growth of the message in their hearts. Even if the message blossoms and fruit begins to form, the fruit never fully matures because the thorns choke out the plant's vitality. But some people hear the message And let it take root deeply into their receptive hearts made fertile by honesty and goodness. With patient dependability, they bear good fruit. So it seems that the emphasis on this parable is drawing our attention to the response to the seeds being planted in our hearts and all around us. If the seeds are considered to be the voice of God or the word of God or even Jesus himself, because in Scripture, Jesus is referred to as the Word of God, then what will we do or what will be our response to the voice of God as we hear it? There may be a number of ways that God's voice or the seeds enter the soil of our lives, sometimes through sermons, through worship, through prayer, through Scripture— Through people, through our experiences connected to church, we can experience the voice of God in nature, in podcasts, in other forms of media, in creativity, in the arts. It seems that these seeds have so much potential to grow as they are being scattered. It's said that when a farmer is planting a large field, he will scatter seeds everywhere on that field. The purpose is to get as much seed out there so that they can get as many plants as possible to have the greatest harvest possible. I believe these seeds help us fulfill our goals our intentions, our plans, our purpose in life. These seeds can help us prioritize and invest in those things that will bring goodness and life and joy and harmony where we are at one and peace with God and with ourselves and with others. Unfortunately, though, as we see based on this story, the seeds that are meant to yield a harvest aren't always fruitful. The seeds that are meant to be life-giving and are meant to experience messages of hope and love can sometimes be misconstrued. The messages can sometimes be compromised. And when this happens, it can cause so much harm. In one instance, our freedom can be compromised because the liberation that would essentially come by believing is compromised. In another case, vitality or life is compromised because faith begins to wither. In another instance, growth can be compromised. Growth can be inhibited because of our various anxieties and the pursuit of wealth and life's addicting delights. It makes me think of all of the many ways that parents pour into their children, how they attempt to protect their children so that they can receive words of life without those Cs and without those words being compromised by other people, places, and things. They're concerned about the messages that their children receive so that their children can continue to hope and be excited and have joy about life. Uh, My husband, Todd, and I love to watch kids, and we have a bunch of nieces, nephews, godkids, and one weekend, our nephew, Shane, was staying with us. He is five years old, and he's a hoot, best (laughs) believe And Shane and a couple other kids were there as well, and we were all talking about what they wanted to be when they grew up. Now, Shane is already a ninja, like we have established that he's a ninja. (laughs) So in this conversation, though, he shared a little something different. He shared that he wanted to be a superhero. Now, we were like, wow, that's great. Now, it's interesting, the other kids we were with began to laugh, and they began to make jokes about it, right? How can you become a superhero? And Todd and I began to pour into that dream for Shane. We began to say, you know what, Shane? Whatever you want to be, whatever you want to do, you can do it. You can be a superhero. You can be, you can grow into whatever you want to do. And he was really excited about that. The reality is that sometimes we have dream killers and sometimes there are things that seem to be out of our realm or out of reach. And let's be clear, as Shane grows older, he's probably going to change his idea for a number of reasons. There will probably be some influ- other influences that say, no, you really can't do that. And he'll probably understand that. But for now, we pour into those desires, we pour into those dreams as opposed To being dream killers amen Amen. and that's what we do here with our kids stuff right we heard Xander talk about why he gives right and we have our children so excited about learning and our volunteers are there Sunday after Sunday ensuring that our children are visible and are valuable We allow them to ask questions, to be curious, to express themselves, and we help nurture their curiosity and their inquisitiveness. Children are so amazing because they have their freedom, their vitality. They're like sponges, willing to grow. What about us? Where's our childlike faith? We know that it's not always easy, right? Because we will hear the word and oftentimes we will embrace what we hear, but it might be hard to live into it for various reasons. So what do we do when we are firm in what we believe and then we land in a toxic environment where someone is attempting to strip us of what we know to be true, of our lived experiences, and then we attempt to hide from our authentic selves and We become bound up trying to be like someone else, which is not who God calls us to be. It is hard to be free and liberated in these types of environments. Or what do we do when the voice of God causes us to shine bright like a diamond, shine bright like a diamond? Hey, Rihanna, okay? What do we do? When God is calling us to shine bright like a diamond and then people and systems intentionally try to squelch our light like Theon preached about last week and try to dull our shine. And then we get discouraged with doubt and insecurity and then we become stagnant and then we are no longer vital, right? It's hard to exude vitality in these types of circumstances, What do we do when the voice of God helps us to find clarity over various situations and the Holy Spirit leads us to people, places, and things that will empower our life so that we can give back to others and then our distractions and the pursuit of addicted and harmful behaviors, which would put profits and pleasure over the healing of people, lead us to anxiety. It's hard to grow in this environment. I remember struggling with all of these things, with insecurities about my freedom, my vitality, my growth. It was being compromised because as a, w- a woman minister, I didn't see a ton of representation, right? Now, my mom's a minister, my grandmother's a minister, and I thought that was wonderful. However, in the other circles that I was in, I didn't see too many of us. And I started to doubt myself, my gifts, my abilities, and this came up for me a lot when I was in seminary. And it came to a place where I was holding back in certain spaces where I should have been taking the initiative. I was holding back when I could have volunteered for things, I sort of kind of sat back and let other people do that. And it was interesting because it was in light of male domination, and it was also in light of other things that were happening. I mean, I had an experience of someone actually inviting me to their church to participate on a panel, and they asked that I not share I was a minister because their church didn't ordain ministers, all right? I didn't do it, but best believe that situations like that allow internalized oppression right, to come into your life. Because you know what your truth is, but because of various systems, sometimes you start to doubt and that internalized oppression sets in and then you remain stagnant. And that's what was happening to me. And I thank God for a professor who saw that, who saw that I was during our last, right before I graduated, they had a retreat. And I was invited to be the speaker of the senior class. At the retreat, and honestly, when they invited me, I was like, "Why they invite me to preach? Because they got all these other guys that are like chomping at the bit, all right?" But God knew what God was doing, and at that retreat, I was like, "Okay, good. I'm the I'm the guest. I'm the main speaker, and that's good enough." And there were other opportunities, and I sat back. And that professor called me in, and she said, "Vanita, as a woman." remember to have a voice, remember to take the lead. And she totally sounded like my mom who had constantly told us to make sure we have a voice. And I thank God for that, you can clap it up, clap it up. Praise God. I thank God for that, with that acknowledgement of calling in because I was allowing birds to steal from that, the seeds from my footpath. So I wanna focus us in on this verse 15 and verse 15 once again says but as for that in the good soil there the excuse me these are the ones who when they hear the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with endurance endurance so this particular word really drew me in As we receive God's word and as we allow it to flourish in our lives, I believe that we can continue to produce fruit even though the struggle can be real. (laughs) Even though we go through hardship, even though we go through challenging situations, I believe that God can still use us to bless other people, to empower other people. And we know that given so many different things going on in our own individual lives, in our nation, in our world, trans and non-binary rights continue to be challenged with the Supreme Court decisions this week, with affirmative action and the LGBTQ rights, still being challenged, it's interesting that we are still trying to determine whether we are going to fully value people of color in this country, whether we are still going to value the LGBTQIA community, where we are still going to value marginalized groups. I heard an interesting story this week by the host of The Readout, Joy Ann Reed is the host, And she began to talk, she testified during these hearings, and she began to talk about how she is a product of affirmative action. Smart. Had great SAT scores. High marks, all that good stuff, honor student, all that good stuff. And she talked about how Harvard, did anyone see that clip? I was trying to play it, but they're going to shut us down if we play that clip. So, anyway, um... So she talked about how she was a product of affirmative action, and I found this fascinating because she talked about how folks from Harvard came down to her town, I believe it was Colorado, and interviewed her, and they found out that, you know, she would be a good fit, and clearly she was, right? And she talked about how she was qualified, how she was well-suited to be a Harvard student, However, if affirmative action didn't exist, she would not have even been there because they would not have taken the initiative to go like hunt for her, to be intentional about ensuring that diversity existed at her school, right? So <clears throat> I think that it's so important for us to hear these stories and to listen to people's lived experiences and as believers and as followers of Jesus Christ, try to understand where our values lie in all of this. How are we honoring people's lived experiences? How are we honoring uncommon kinship and worship reimagined and radical equity? You know, with all of these various examples of the soil and of the seeds, And hearing these various messages, honestly, I feel like these different examples represent different seasons in our own individual lives. And what our responses are during these messages based on where we are based on what day it is, right? Because one day we will hear a message and we will be like, yes, it's all good and we'll be flying high. And there'll be other times when we'll hear something and it quickly leaves because someone has offended us and we are ready to just curse them out, all right? And it is hard to sort of negotiate all of this So maybe it's up to us to think about these various seasons and these various types of soil and where we are in life and how God is able to work and move in all of those various situations. And back to verse 15 with this word endurance. When you are talking about endurance, you you endure through something. This is what the scripture says, right? I never really noticed it before until this particular sermon preparation, right? So it's not like, oh, everything is perfect now because you're in this good soil. It's not that. It is still living, still growing, still being progressive in the midst of chaos sometimes, right? So it, is when you, it means that when you are hurting, you will be able to give someone else hope. It means that when you are confused about your life, you will be that one to bring clarity to somebody else's life. It means that when you are a hot mess, you will be able to help heal somebody, right? So it is all of these things, right? And it's open for us to think about. And the other point I want to make is that if God is the farmer and that if we are trying to emulate her, then maybe it's an opportunity for us to reflect upon where we are sowing our seeds, where we are planting our gifts and abilities and time and resources in order for us to reclaim our freedom, our vitality, our growth. Remember, at the start of this story, I mentioned that Jesus honored the women. It didn't matter what they had been through. It didn't matter what their history was. It didn't matter how they were bound up and how they had been enslaved by demons. Jesus honored their contributions at that point in their life. The beautiful thing is, I believe those women knew they were dope. I believe those women were just so incredible. I believe they were like, we are organizing ourselves, and we are going to support this ministry. And Jesus honored that. And I feel like it's a reminder for us to think about the traditionally marginalized. And maybe that's what the women represent the traditionally marginalized of our society, those who know they are valuable, who know they belong, who know that they are just so incredible with their gifts and are still not being fully embraced. Those individuals that we need to shine the light on and think about the contributions that they have made to this country, to this land, to our society and honor their contributions and understand that they are of value. And maybe it starts right here at Forefront Church where I feel like we're just such a motley crew because there's so many (laughs) different individuals who are here worshiping God. It's a group of incredible people, it's an uncommon kinship growing together from a myriad of identities committed to loving God, self, and others. And I am so amazed when I think of how our journeys and life experiences from all around the world have led us here, home, to Forefront Church, where we can be our true, authentic selves. It's where we can deepen our faith with joy and laughter in a community that is messy and progressive. <laughs> so <clears throat> here's an example of us reflecting community. <laughs> This is on Prize Sunday. Yeah. This is on Prize Sunday. And what a day it was. Some of us participated in the Queer Liberation March. Some of us partied in Manhattan with Keslia and Matthew. Some of us went back to Brooklyn to Pastor Mac and Diana's house. So this was a crowd that, show that picture again, please, because we, we need to leave that up for a minute. So what you don't see is the fact that there was a group of us, as I mentioned, that were hanging out in Manhattan. Awesome. And then Kirsten mentioned that she was in the village too, giving free mom hugs. So it was a day where our church was celebrating pride and celebrating our community and each other. This is one tiny example, one drop in the bucket. We do a lot of this in a myriad of ways. We are happily sowing and producing good fruit by allowing the word of god to take root in our hearts so that we can continue day after day because it doesn't stop with just one day we can continue day after day to reclaim our liberation to reclaim our vitality and to reclaim our growth this is the word of the lord thanks be to god amen amen so let us prepare now uh, for communion. I'm going to invite our worship team up at this time. Uh, we will all eventually receive communion together. If you are joining us virtually, uh, we would ask that you would gather whatever elements that you have to participate in our communion and know that emojis are okay in, for our virtual space. This came out yesterday during our leadership training and our values session every sunday here at forefront we receive communion we share in communion to remember the death and the resurrection of jesus christ to remind ourselves that we are loved and we are the beloved to remind us all that Jesus continues to pour into our lives and allow us to grow and flourish in the midst of everything that we are going through. So you will have the opportunity, everyone, regardless of your identity, to receive communion today because all are welcome at the table. And then I would ask that everyone would please hold your communion and wait till after Keslia finishes singing and then we will all receive our communion together. You may come at this time